Hello, friends. I'm your host, Christina, and you're listening to Radical Stepmoms, a podcast about the good, bad, and really ugly moments about raising a child that you didn't create. Here, I'll discuss the realities of co-parenting, the way stepmotherhood affects a marriage, the relationship with our stepkids, and most of all, navigating the relationship with ourselves. I want each episode to leave you feeling validated, empowered, and oh so radical. So pour yourself a LaCroix, a glass of red, or whatever, and listen in on Radical Stepmoms. Hey ladies, before we dive into the episode, I wanted to remind you of another awesome resource for stepmoms. It was the resource I desperately needed when I was in the thick of all my stepmom feelings. So what is it? Stepmom Magazine. Stepmom Magazine is a monthly online publication and each issue is full of articles from therapists and stepfamily experts who know exactly what you're going through and what to do about it because they're stepmoms too. When you subscribe, you not only get the monthly issue, but access to a private group forum where you can talk with other stepmoms from around the world. There's also ebooks on hot topics like raising teens, being a full-time stepmom, parental alienation, and so much more. They're all available to download right now. Joining is easy. Head to stepmommagazine.com and use the code RADICAL20 to save 20%. Send me a DM on Instagram and let me know how much you love it. Now, on to the episode. Hello, you are listening to Radical Stepmoms. This is Christina. This episode, I am chatting with Mandy. This episode, we're going to be talking about being a young stepmom, having a higher needs stepkid, parallel parenting, connecting with your stepkid, all sorts of things. So welcome, Mandy. Thank you. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. Yeah. So you uh, reached out and shared a little bit of your story and I just I'm always really attracted to the different dynamics and what makes up the stepmom, right? Because no matter how complicated or how whatever circumstances, someone can connect. And your story, I feel a lot of people can connect to. So Mandy, why don't you start us off giving a little background on you and we'll dive in. Okay. So I am currently 28. My husband and I have been together um, for about six years, married for three. Um, We were long distance for the good first half of our relationship, probably the first two and a half years. I lived in Texas and my husband lived in Delaware because he had to live obviously very close. They shared 50-50 custody. When I first came in the picture, it was a 225 schedule. And now it's week on, week off, which I'm very grateful for. That's a lot better. Mm -hmm. Uh, I met my um, stepson, probably met Matt is different than meeting meeting because we were long distance. There are a lot of times where we would schedule me um, coming to visit when my stepson was going to his mother's house. Mm. So there are a few times where we would have this overlap day when he would be getting them or I would be coming and he would be leaving, something like that. And so probably within the first six months, I met uh, my stepson, but actually meeting saying, hi, you know, I've kind of been in your life for forever, probably. It was about a year after my husband and I started dating. And my stepson, I don't think, really understood what was going on. I met him when he was three turning four, and he has a lot of emotional and expressive language delays. So he 
right now is 10, but probably has the emotional maturity of a seven year old, maybe, mm-hmm. which is tricky because he's going through puberty. So his body is older than his mind. And that is, that is a struggle too. But yeah, that's, that's essentially how I met. He did not let me in the picture. And I think it's because he didn't understand where I was fitting into his puzzle because his mother is extremely involved and his father is extremely involved. So there wasn't a need for me. There wasn't Mm. a need. I don't hate to say that, but there wasn't a void for me. And that was really hard because for the longest time, the only step parents that I knew of were step parents who were filling the place of a parent (laughs) and that my husband and his parents are still together. My parents are still together. So we didn't have any concept of how difficult this was going to be until we were in it. And I was like, I need help. (laughs) I don't know what this is and it sucks and it's hard. And I feel like I do not belong at all. And I do not want to be here. (laughs) I need help. And I'm on the podcast. I'm probably in 2018 and I've been listening to it every, every time you post. So it has helped a lot. You're an OG. That's awesome. So, I mean, there's, you hit on a lot of the things there. So let's, I mean, what's it like to have been, you still are a very young stepmom. So were you, you know, looking for a partner with kids? Were you? Absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) I was not looking really for anyone. I was currently, I was in college when I met um, my husband. I am an opera singer and we were at a program for opera singers. And and that's how I met him. And I just thought it was going to be a summer fling and that would be it. He did tell me then that he had a child, uh, but I didn't care because there was nothing I thought coming of the situation other than cuddles <laughs> um, in, in a random dorm room that I was staying in for three weeks. So mm-hmm. we had only known each other for three weeks and entered into a long distance relationship for two and a half years. I was in my undergrad and I had already been enrolled for grad school. So I knew that I'm staying in Texas for the next two years. And there was nothing in me that thought I was going to become stepmom and no desire to become one. I was, I was 22, 21, 20 when this all fell in my lap. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes when I'm talking to, and this happened to me when I was, when I first became a stepmom, but like I was the first one within my friend group to really have that family feel like I wasn't going to the bars anymore. And I wasn't like, you know, I was like, oh, there's a little kid that I have to consider. And my friends were like, what? So you being in college and kind of having that long distance and can, you know, even if you're not having that relationship quite yet with the kiddo, like, what was that like within your friend group? Were they understanding? Were you kind of like, yeah, this is weird? They all thought it was extremely uh, weird. None of them really understood it. I got a lot of questions. And I remember one friend, my then boyfriend, but my husband and I, we were meeting this friend, it's one of his friends, for the first time. And she asked me, how does it feel to know that you're going to be a stepmom? Oh, just straight out. All right. <laughs> straight out. And in that moment, I had not been living with them, so I didn't know. And I was just like, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to love it. 
Uh, and I would always say this thing, and I think it was to to convince myself, but I always said, you know, if the worst thing that this guy has going on is that he has a child, then I'm all in. Uh, oh, that's not the worst thing. It's the yeah. <laughs> Not only what co-parenting brings and the jealousy and the resentment and the annoyance and the anxiety, all of these things come with being a stepmom. And I didn't know any of those things because I was in Texas. Mm. So I was falling in love with this man without having to ever see his child, which now I'm like, gosh, we should have done that differently. But all of my friends were really not on board with it. My husband and his ex, similar to you, they were dating, never married. They were in college and an accident happened. Mm -hmm. And that is how my stepson came to this world. So I didn't want to penalize him, but he became a father at 19. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sometimes very strange for us when we're out in public, even now with a 10 year old and I'm 28 and my husband is 30 and people are just kind of like, who is this child? Right. Is this your brother? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Is your brother? Um, and until he says, dad, <laughs> I like, oh, what, what is going on here? So to think I would have been like 16 when he was born is, yeah. it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, I think the friendship stuff is a super interesting dynamic in stepmotherhood, especially when we go into this lifestyle <laughs> when the rest of our friends are not in line with us. So let's talk a little bit about, I mean, I'm so interested in, so you guys were long distance for a bit and then you decided we're going to make this more serious. And then what was that transition like when you start, started to become a part of that everyday stepmom life? Yeah. Hard, really, really hard. By the time I was coming into full-time uh, stepmoming, we were already engaged. Um, and so I, graduated from grad school and I packed up all of my stuff and I moved across the country and immediately we just lived together and that we lived together for a year and then we got married and it was really it was really tricky at first because my stepson just did not want me to be there I came in the summer of 2017 to visit for the whole summer uh, before graduating and I was not working because I was on summer break. I was like, I'm not going to do grad school. I'm not doing anything. And so we decided that we would stay with my husband's parents. Mm, oh, <laughs> you should see your face, guys. <laughs> She's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then it's like, it's just the summer. We're summer my life by far still. I became the primary parent of my stepson because mm. everyone else was working. And I was like, don't put him in daycare. I can just wash him. Oh, dear. And so that was sort of my first time with my stepson. And now I'm like, why would you have done that? But that way you went from zero to 60. Yes, immediately. Immediately. I put on my stepmom cape and like ran out the door. He was like, you're not part of my family. I hate you. He would always say, when is your plane leaving? Oh, my gosh. When is your plane going to leave? And my in-laws never stepped in and I never felt comfortable enough to discipline or 
to really nip some of that in the bud because I was new in the pictures. Right. I just kind of took it. And that was, I was honestly, I was scared emotionally of my stepson. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was afraid after that summer to ever be with him alone. I did not want to be with him alone at all. Now I got to go back to school to finish my last year, so I didn't have to. But once I moved in fully, it was hard. I did not choose to do any alone time whatsoever because my husband had 50 cut, 50, 50 custody. He's an extremely, he was an extremely good single father. He did everything. And I kind of just sat there and, and took his lead until COVID. And because I I'm a singer. I leave a lot, but COVID made me stay home. And my first degree is in music education. So I do have an education degree. So I was like, I'll do, I'll do the homeschooling during COVID. And so that- You put on your cape again. I put on my cape again. So from about 2017 um, until 2020, I was kind of completely disengaged completely because I was just afraid to be hurt. And so once 2020 hit and the world exploded, I became his primary parent and his mother could not do any schooling with him. So he was with us every single school day. Oh, wow. And I taught him the end of second grade, third grade, and going into fourth. I taught him those grades. Wow. Uh, And that's really when I figured out okay, there's some stuff there. There is some stuff that I think we need to address. He had been in speech uh, since he was two. So both of his parents were aware that there was a speech delay, but I don't think they understood emotional expressive language was so his, it was so low that he couldn't communicate with us. It was just impossible. So people say, you know, love your stepchild and fall in love with your stepchild. But how do you fall in love with a kid who can't speak to you at all? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Has the attitude of a big kid, right? They're a baby. Um, And so they have wants and desires, but they can't express anything to you. And it really wasn't until probably nine, nine months ago, not almost to a year that he's actually been able to be expressive and then have conversations with us on a kid level. Mm-hmm. Right. It was just a regurgitation of facts. But now there's a little bit more of mm-hmm. conversation. And I think during COVID is when he started to also fall in love with me because I was the most consistent person in his in his life, not because everyone was inconsistent, but I had the time to be. Um, and so it really wasn't until COVID that he and I started to fall in love with each other. And I remember sitting down, listening to one of your episodes one day, probably 2021, I don't know. And you and whoever you're speaking to was talking about the anxiety and transitions and how you get nervous and scared when it's about to become your week. And I texted my husband and I said, I'm not anxious that he's coming tomorrow. I'm not anxious. And my husband, <laughs> knowing that I've been anxious, has known that it scares me, has known that I feel like I'm not part of the family for all of these years. And he was like, you're right. You're, you're not. I would get in horrible moods. I would disengage from my husband. I would just like the day before Sundays were the day. So Saturdays mm-hmm. would be in fights. I would be in the room all day. 
And um, yeah, by 2021, I was not nervous anymore. But I do now get nervous when I leave for long periods of time and come back. Mm -hmm. I do get nervous still. Okay. So I want to like that realization of that anxiety not being there. Would you attribute that to finding that connection with him where you were no longer feeling like you were emotionally vulnerable to, to him? Yeah, absolutely. I think it came because for the longest, I wanted to fill a void that wasn't there. Mm. And during COVID, there was a void. Mm. There was a place for one of his parents to get him through all of his grades. And I became that person. So mm -hmm. I was a default for everything, for snacks, for lunch, for not understanding an assignment, for needing someone to read something because he's below level in everything. So I would sit in there the entire, it wasn't here, do this assignment and I'll come check it. He mm -hmm. was so far below. I mean, I think in second grade, he was reading at a kindergarten level. Mm -hmm. So he was mm -hmm. so behind that I had to, to spoon feed him school. And so I filled the void. I filled mm -hmm. the void. I think that that is such a profound concept that you're speaking to that so many stepmoms come into the dynamic and they feel like they don't have a place because there isn't that void. There is a mom, there is a dad or two moms or, you know, whatever it looks like. Right. But there's two active parents and the kid is going, all right, so what do you do? <laughs> right. Who are you? What do you do? What are you going to give me? Because I get this from this parent. I get this from this parent. And you're describing the shift in your feeling like you can take up space and there's a purpose for you because COVID and school and that kind of showed him like, oh, this is what Mandy can do for me. Um, this is how Mandy shows up. I think that that is, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, for those listening and those struggling to find, you know, where they fit to like, kind of consider that and, and, you know, wonder, and sometimes we have to really rely on our partners to create that space for us, right. To invite us in, to show that we have that purpose and that can be really difficult. So it sounds like your partner has been very supportive and understanding <laughs> for the most part, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. What was that like for the two of you as you were kind of managing that anxiety and trying to figure out your relationship and where you fit? Yeah, it was very hard. And I think it's hard for any person who was the bio parent and now a step parent is coming in because that bio parent loves this child unconditionally. And this child can do no wrong. And this child is their perfect angel, you know? And so for someone to come in and be like, your child kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. And it was hard for him not to take it personally, because when I would say I was anxious or I didn't want him to come or mm -hmm. I don't want to be left alone with him, what my partner heard in the beginning was, I don't like your child. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in your child's life. Mm -hmm. And because both of us have a two-parent home and still do, even though we probably shouldn't, we have, we came from two-parent homes. 
we didn't really understand the dynamic. And so it was hard for him not to take everything personal. And I would tell them, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, your son sucks. I am saying that he could have better things that he is doing. Right. Yeah. And because they were also teenage parents, they were living in survival mode. So when I came into the picture, I'm like, he's got to eat vegetables. He's got to clean his own room, you know? And so I brought in, like most stepmothers, I brought in this structure. And so then it was hard for him not to take, your parenting sucks. Yeah. I did a lot of playing you random clips from podcasts (laughs) or finding quotes about how it feels to be a stepmom and kind of easing those to him over the course of years until he got it. We had a lot of couch conversations that ended in me crying and feeling unheard and him falling asleep like a baby and me sitting on my phone writing about my existence, right? And then waking up the next day and still feeling unheard. A lot of days like that. But I think it switched once he realized I said one thing to him one time, and I, was, I think he it finally clicked. I was like, just imagine taking care of a child and look down at this, like, baby's eyes, and they're not yours. Mm. And you don't see yourselves in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But you have to do everything for this child. And not only do you not see yourself, but you see your husband's ex. God, yeah, yeah. And their smell smells like the ex. And their clothes are the clothes that the ex brought. You know, all of that stuff, which is not something natural and organic in in a a nuclear system. Mm -hmm. So I think he started to empathize with me in in that struggle Mm -hmm. and sort of started to get it. I think he does get it for real now, but it it took probably four or five years for him to truly understand. And that was just because of conversations over and over. And I make him listen to you in the car. So (laughs) I do, I do. Yeah, I love that. And you know, it does take time and everything you just described. I mean, it's, it's our experience is totally valid, right? Are the feelings that we have and considering where our partners are coming from as well, kind of facilitates that open communication where we can say, yeah, I get that you are taking it this way. (laughs) I get that it's difficult to hear these things about your child. One thing that has always kind of helped me and those really hard couch conversations is explaining to my husband, like, I obviously care. I care enough that this is why I'm having these conversations. I care about him because I want him to have an amazing life and I am involved and I am, you know, this is how I'm treating him. Like he's mine because I want him to have these resources or to have, you know, whatever. It's not, I'm saying all this to make you feel bad or tell you that you're a bad father or to say that he's a bad kid. If I didn't care, I wouldn't be saying any of this stuff. <laughs> so the relationship with your stepson has improved. The anxiety has decreased. So that's amazing. Like <laughs> that's when, that's when people say, do things get better? Yes, they can. And in some weird way, you know, you actually benefited from there being a pandemic. (laughs) I had the opposite where I was home with my stepson and it was like, 
oh my God, like we cannot spend this much time together. And I was also home with our daughter. So it was just like a lot while also working from home and all that stuff. But yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the relationship with the ex. And you had mentioned, you know, you parallel parent completely. And before we hit record, I told you, you know, like sometimes we talk about parallel parenting, but it's, what does that mean? And what do you mean you don't, you know, whatever. So I feel like there are some basic guidelines to it, but I love to hear uh, how other people are imp- implementing it in their home. So what's the relationship like? How do you parallel parent? Yeah. So there truly isn't a relationship at all. That's how parallel, which I am grateful for. I think that it works for us. She is a person that has to get her way. Hmm. It's her way or no way. Just bottom line. You you can't argue with with someone like that. Mm-hmm. And my husband learned that before I was in the picture, thankfully. And when I came in, I tried to actually make it less parallel. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, you know, let's give her a chance. Let's let's try to be civil. Don't you want to have one birthday party? You know, all of this. Yep. Like you do not understand. We're all hopeful in the beginning. Exactly. <laughs> well, you will see it. And I have seen it time and time again. There have been instances when I first got in the picture, there was no court stuff at all. Mm-hmm. They were trying to do it by themselves. And I understand why my husband believed that if he went into the court system, that he would lose time and that they would side with the mother and that his life would just get significantly worse with adding courts. And so I understand where he was coming from, but when you're dealing with someone that is so high conflict and it's their way or no way, you need the court to say your way is wrong. Mm. Way is wrong and here it is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that we went into court. They fought for, they didn't really fight, but they fought for uh, custody. They both wanted 50-50. He wanted to do five. She wanted week on, week off. We needed two to five. This was in like 2018. We needed that for his job. He worked in a different state mm. half of the week, Wednesday through Friday. So we needed it to be two to five so that they could still have 50-50. She was not going for that. She said, I'm just going to keep the job mm. and kept the job. Mm. So my husband did not see his son for months, for months. Because she said, you cannot switch during a school week. I won't let that happen. Yeah. So we went to court and the court system was like, is he a good father? Yeah. Is this for work? Yeah. So you're doing two to five. Mm. And so they were two to five until he became remote in COVID. And now it's 50-50 week on week off. Um, She also went behind his back when she took the child and said, you cannot see your child said, and now I need child support. Oh God. And so he was doing it without the court sending her money. And she said, that's not enough. And then he got a summons randomly. Didn't even know that she went to court for it. And now we pay an astronomical amount of money for 50, 50, Um, (sighs) astronomical amount of money for 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 the same amount of time and there's really nothing we can do about it we just you know make jokes about when he turns 18 and we're just gonna have a really big party outside of her house 
that money and just and just blow it for a party right outside it's a public street <laughs> and so they parallel because she has to have it her way so anything that's written in court which everything is written in the court document for holidays school holidays birthdays because those are typically not in there anything medical all of that is written in Mm-hmm. And so we take that literally. We never change it. We mm-hmm. don't deviate. If we need to go out of town for something and we don't have, we can't take my stepson, we will not call her. We will call his parents or an aunt, anybody, or I would stay. We we do not ask anything of her. Yeah. Because we know that it will become this power struggle as soon as we get off of what the court says. So we don't ask for anything. If we have a trip coming up and it falls on her week and we really would like him, we're rescheduling it. Mm-hmm. It's because oh, I wouldn't go there. He won't go there. We have everything different. He has a bedtime difference and it sucks for him. And I feel so bad for him, but he has a bedtime difference. His bedtime at her house is eight and his bedtime at our house is 10, mm-hmm. which is huge. Huge difference. They live about 30 minutes away. And so he commutes to school when he is with her 30 minutes to to get to school. There is nothing that they ever talk about unless it is to discuss the holiday schedule. Mm. So the thing about it is school holidays have to be split in half. But the court doesn't say how it has to be split in half. So every time a holiday comes up, we have to figure that out on our own. That is the only time that they communicate. Mm-hmm. Now, if he gets sick, which does happen often, if he gets sick or something, someone will communicate. But as far as anything else, schoolwork, we have a folder that says shared parent folder, and we will put any shared because the school isn't going to print too. Mm-hmm. So we put it in that folder and then we take a photo of it so that we all have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we send that. So nothing nothing is shared whatsoever values. He is a vegan at her house and he is not a vegan in our house. I mean, it is, everything is completely paralleled mm. and it works for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Does he make that choice as far as what he's eating and stuff? Like he is it- not make that choice at her house. Uh, <laughs> it has always been a vegan house. He enjoys eating meat. Okay. Uh, and so he will say small things of like, like, I wish I could eat meat there, you know, and time. And so a lot of times our house seems like the permissive house, but it's honestly the authoritative versus authoritarian. Authoritarian. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, there's always question about communication during weeks like we don't communicate like my stepson doesn't communicate with us when he's with her he doesn't communicate with you know her when he's with us is there communication with her when he's with you guys or vice versa never when he is there for a week we don't ask to call we don't ask to talk to him and generally she does the same there are a few times where she'll ask if she can talk to him but those are very rare occasions Mm -hmm. and typically it's like a birthday birthdays in half whoever has birthday has birthday so she'll call in the morning for birthday or something because it always somehow falls on our week yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we do not talk to him at all so this is her week it ends tomorrow we switch on fridays 
I have no idea how this life is. <laughs> I, have no yeah. idea. I have no idea how school was, none of that. And he honestly, because he is who he is and he thrives on structure, him having completely different households and they don't bleed, it helps him. It helps mm-hmm. him like mm-hmm. with mom and then he's with dad. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's hard because sometimes it's like, oh, we want to show the kids that we're one big, but sometimes that's just so confusing. And especially when there is, you know, that much tension or that much conflict or that much like we just parent completely differently. And, you know, like this is just how it is. It is easier for kids to kind of conceptualize like this is my life here and this is my life there. And, you know, I talked to a lot of stepmoms who it's like, especially with 50-50, like one week on, one week on, where you f- literally feel like half of your life is different from the other half. It is. It's completely different. You know, our kids feel that too, where, you know, okay. And that's why, you know, my, I still have transition day anxiety, but it's for, I feel like the anxiety has shifted over the years where it used to be about this, but now it's about this. But one of the things that has helped me is having that compassion and understanding for my stepson's experience when he comes home, where he's shifting into a new world. And if you've ever traveled abroad and then like you come back home and you aren't used to, I don't know, going to the bathroom in an actual bathroom or, <laughs> you know, there's actual paved roads instead of dirt roads. Like it's just, there's like, you have to shift your like, oh, this is the custom here. And this is, you know, and, and that's one thing that's like, yes, that is a consequence of parallel parenting, but it if it limits the amount of contact that you have with the person who no matter what, it's going to be an argument, we're the same way unless we really, really have to, we don't change the parenting plan because it just opens up. And I love the parenting plans, the really, really good ones, the really good attorneys, the ones who anticipate that let's just limit the amount of communication and conflict so we don't have to have two people who hate each other try and make a decision, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think it's really challenging because your story is very similar to mine in that my husband wasn't married. Mm -hmm. They did not want to be married. They did not want to have a child together. That was not something that was planned. That was something that he should have worn protection. Mm -hmm, Yeah, (laughs) should have wrapped it. (laughs) So it is not, they are so completely opposite in their parenting because it was never talked about. They, they, they were kids. It is, it's, it's so different there. I mean, and now there's, they're strangers. Mm-hmm. essentially, because they've always parallel parented. And they broke up when my stepson was two mm-hmm. and he's 10 now. So eight years of completely being strangers to mm-hmm. one another. No, there was never, you know, birthday parties together or anything. So mm-hmm. yeah, the only stuff I know about her is through my stepson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, that's the other thing too. Like, you know, our kids don't know any different. And so even though my stepson has asked me like, oh, why don't we do this? Or, you know, just based on like things that he's seen or, you know, we try and be cordial and we have to see her face to face or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. But, you know, it's like he doesn't know any different. And this is the way and that's sad on a lot of levels. But at the same time, he doesn't have to see his parents fight. 
And those things that we model in our home, he sees us, you know, he sees me and my husband, you know, being affectionate and, and, you know, raising both kids and that family dynamic. And we don't, we have, you know, ideas of what he sees at the other house with the ins and outs of her boyfriends and stuff like that. But we just feel confident that this is what we want our kids to see. And even though it's not his two biological parents, he's still being modeled, you know, a healthy relationship. Absolutely. 100%. That's exactly, well, that's what I have to hold on to, right? (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 So before we wrap up, I did want to chat about the dynamics of, you know, multiracial, multicultural home. So from what I understand, your husband is white? He is white and Filipino. Okay. Okay. And my stepson is black slash half. Okay. Yeah. So your stepson looks more like you than he, yeah, than he does his dad. So not only are you guys walking around looking really young, (laughs) but you're looking like the really young, young mom. So how does that kind of manifest within your home, within your family dynamics, you know, his parents, whatever, how, how does that show up for you? It is strange. It is strange. So if we, you know, and my, my husband's parents, his mother is an Asian woman and his father is a white man. And then there's me and then my stepson and my husband. So when we go anywhere, it looks crazy. It looks strange to a lot of people. To a lot of people. I think it, it's beautiful, but to, to people that, yeah. I, and so in, I look different. They're asking for a guardian essentially to say what my stepson wants for dinner. Mm. They will look at me first. Mm. They will say, what does he want? Assuming that I am the the biological mother. And so it is strange until he calls me by my first name. Mm. Because he does not call me mom. Like I said, he is a very strict, structured person. So he's like, how could you possibly be my mom? I have one. It, mm-hmm. it is not even coming from a place of like, here, I'm my mom. It's literally like... Right. It's you, mom fits in this box. Dad fits in this box. You're Mandy. <laughs> exactly. And you, right. you, that, that spot. And so a lot of the times people are shocked in that moment. And, you know, they say, you know, and a lot of people ask, oh, oh, you're not his mother. You're not his mother. And I say, no, you know, I'm not. And a lot of the times it comes up often and it's very annoying because if I was not a black person, it wouldn't come up. Uh, a lot of people bring up the idea of um, my husband having black fish. It comes up often, you know, they're like, oh, so you, you like black women or you, you know, and it's kind of like if I was white and his ex was white. Right. That would never come up. Oh, you like white women. <laughs> exactly. No one says that. you like, okay, you have a white kid. That's, you know, and so that's the part that really disgusts yeah. me is that mm-hmm. I come up as a, a fetish to a lot of Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they figure out that he is my stepson and I am black and he is black, meaning that mom has to be black. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is tricky and it's tough as well as us looking extremely young. People, mm-hmm. people say there's no way and they kind of start doing math and I'm just kind of like, mm-hmm. I'm not telling you how old I am because I would have been 16 if you really. So both of those things give us strange looks in public as well as because my stepson has some delays, his mannerisms and, and his little quirks about him mm-hmm. uh, and his language 
It's just a mess when we go out. So uh, we don't live in a very inclusive, progressive, inclusive. Yeah. yeah. So it is, it is weird to go out in public, but it does help me deal with a lot of questions because people just assume that he's my son because he's black. So a lot of the times I have a privilege in not having to answer questions because people sure. just assume it's impossible for me not to be the mom, right? Mm-hmm. I'm black. So that helps a lot. And that's kind of the only saving grace of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, in, it's so interesting how this plays a role in our stepmom journey of what our kids look like and what we look like. I think, you know, my stepson looks nothing like me. <laughs> nothing like me. And he looks nothing like my husband. He is a spitting image of his mom. They are identical. It's bizarre. And it's, it was only when we had our daughter where we started seeing the, the similarities between the two kids where it was like, Oh, that's actually my husband. (laughs) It's so hard to see it because of everything else, but that's actually my husband. And now Because of her, when we go out, we are seen more as a family because we have two kids and kind of look the same. You know, I mean, it just, there's so many things here to talk about, but it's, you know, it's just really interesting how so much of the, the way that we feel in our own home can be influenced by the way others see us, even complete strangers and how they view our family when, you know, with more progressive mindset of families come in all shapes and colors and sizes, you know, all that kind of, you know, that mentality of it doesn't matter. And even, even assuming that the mom would be the one knowing what the kid wants to eat at a restaurant, right? That's gender norming, you know, what, you know, because there's plenty of times when my husband orders for the kids, like he's capable of doing it or, you know, how the bill will just automatically get handed to my husband. And it's like, I'm capable of paying, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's just very interesting. And, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing that aspect of it because it definitely roll all the different, all the different layers of who we are, who we were before, who our family and and that plays a part in our own acceptance and our own, you know, filling that void in our family, right? And creating, even if there wasn't a void, we're going to freaking create one and we're going to find our place. There is a void. Yeah. Well, anything else you'd like to share um, for the young stepmoms listening or for the stepmoms who are, who just dove right in with their cape on, you know, any, any. Don't dive in. (laughs) Uh, But I'm reading this book right now, Untamed. You should read it if you haven't. Oh, Glenn Doyle. Mm -hmm. Yes. And one of the things that I keep going to is Life is not supposed to be easy. And the moment we realize that it's not supposed to be easy is the moment that we can actually start living a truthful and beautiful life. And I have to take that every day in step moment. It is not easy. There are days where I want to just be 28. Mm, and I learn my husband, you know, and that doesn't get to happen. And it's not supposed to be easy. No one's life is. Mine just looks a little different than what society views as good. Yeah. yeah. It's not supposed to be easy. So if it's hard, I'm doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Mandy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I learned a few things. I hope others did as well. All right, ladies. 
As always, be well and stay radical. All right, ladies, the episode is over, but do you want a little more? Come find me on Instagram and join the community at Radical Stepmoms Podcast or schedule a one-on-one session and get that personalized support or become a Radical member and gain access to exclusive content like bonus episodes and merch. Radical Stepmoms is so much bigger than a podcast. Check out the details and the notes on this episode.